Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today during these very, very crazy times. Joining me is Rakima Dolio Parson. I will let you tell everyone what it is that you do and who you are, a little bit about yourself. Okay, yeah, I'm Rakima. I'm a licensed professional counselor and registered play therapist. So I've worked with, for the last six years, I've worked with all ages. And so um, a lot of my work is based in trauma. And so I've worked primarily with uh, people that have experienced traumatic things or um, they know someone that's experienced something traumatic, um, both all the way up from ages three, all the way up. So I have experience working in educational settings, agencies, um, as well as private practice. Um, and I really enjoy uh, being able to share information with the community. So I spend a lot of time um, going out into the community and speaking at events for people so that they can get information about coping skills and strategies and things that they can use. That way, if they never step foot in a counseling office, they still have access to information. So that's a little bit about me. And so you spoke about having a lot of experience with trauma. And for many people, we are currently in a very traumatic experience with COVID-19 and all of the ways in which our lives have been impacted. And so all of us here now have been impacted in some way, and it just may so happen to look a lot differently for all of us, you know, the ways in which it has impacted us. And so could you talk a bit about um, some of the ways in which you are seeing trauma impacting people today? Yeah, so I think that's a great place to start because we see a lot of things in media. And one thing you touched on and, and what I share with people is that we're all experiencing a pandemic. We're all impacted regardless of race, the amount of money we make, what careers we're in. We've all been, we've all experienced this pandemic in some way. Now, the level to which it impacts us is what's going to vary. So I think that's the important piece to note is that we're all experiencing it, but for some people, this experience, they might have feelings of, they might be in roles where they're nurses or doctors or custodians or different roles where they're still working, they're still out in the community, they're still interfacing with people. And so they may have a sense of pride about their work, but also a sense of overwhelm about the work that they're doing because now they're on the front lines of what, what's happening. So there might be those feelings that are a sense of responsibility, pride, joy about the work that they're doing overwhelmed. For some people, they might be feeling isolated, sad. Um, there might be financial constraints or concerns, health concerns. Um, so there's varied feelings regarding this current pandemic. Um, and none of those feelings are wrong, right? Just everybody's experiencing this differently. There's some people that are experiencing a lot of joy and gratitude because nothing has necessarily changed for them financially or health-wise. Their family's healthy, they still have job security and they're enjoying the fact that they don't have a commute or, you know, that they are seeing their family more now and having lunch and having dinner and staying indoors more. For mm -hmm. other people, there's a lot of grief and loss. And so I think one big thing around this is this level of having sensitivity as we communicate with people in our community or around us about how we are experiencing or how we're impacted by the pandemic because for everybody it's different. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you mentioned that we hadn't even talked about kind of off air and preparing for this is just the way that it might be impacting people that are on the front line who are doing their job, but also now that job that was meant to be helping other people is potentially putting their own health at risk or the health of their families. And just maybe how that may be, even though they're happy that they are able to still be working and bringing in income, but now that they feel a sense of stress in doing their job or having to choose between their own personal health and, you know, their livelihood. And maybe can you touch on like one of the ways that that might be a tough decision to have to make, you know? Yeah. I've seen again in the media and in the work that I do, I've seen a number of, again, people that are on the front lines. And so there are many people that are still working, but they're working remotely, right? They're working at home. There's other people whose jobs require them. They're, mandated to go out and serve in a person-to-person way and for them again they may have a sense of pride that they're contributing in a positive way to stopping or stopping COVID or or helping with this pandemic but then there's also that sense of of worry or fear um, about possibly contracting it through the work that they're doing there might also be a sense of isolation because for some people uh, particularly healthcare professionals some of them might not be able to go back into their homes or have to be sequestered to a certain room because they have been exposed to um, the virus and they don't want to potentially um, impact their family. So there's lots of different emotions around that, but particularly with people on the front lines that are having to go into a place and interact with people person to person experiences, there could be a sense again of this joy and pride of, I love the work that I'm doing. This is, this is something that I got into it for. And for other people, there might be this balance of, well, it's, it's, it's always impacted their, their world because they're in those professions, but it's a heavier burden to kind of carry now because there's a a part of it impacting, possibly impacting their health or the health of their family members. Mm -hmm. And And the demand, I think too, another piece is the demand. It's, it's heightened now more than maybe it was a month ago, right? So work schedules have shifted on call or, you know, overtime or, or just all these different things that are impacting their, their personal wellness. To speak to adjusting personally with those things and, and recognizing that we're all going through something and it may just look different in interfacing with people how do you think that we can be more mindful? Because we talked about um, seeing like memes online that say, you know, if you're not taking this time to start your business, to start your podcast, to do this, to do that, then you didn't lack the time, you just lacked the discipline. And then there was like a rebuttal that came out that said, um, you know, no, that means that you're dealing with a pandemic and this is traumatic and everyone kind of processes that differently. How would you say that we can be mindful? And then maybe this is the segue to talk about um, what toxic positivity is and what that may look like. Yeah. So I think the first thing to note that even in my work, I've had to remind people of is that, um, we are, this is not a vacation or a break, right? So this is not necessarily time off even for everybody. And so if you are still experiencing the world the way we're experiencing it, um, just again, being mindful of not being uh, tonally unaware of what's happening, there is a pandemic happening. So for some people, um, 
their desire to be busy and not be idle by completing that podcast, writing that book, doing those things that we've seen in some of those memes or online. Um, if they're doing those things in a healthy way um, and it's not in a way that they're using it in a maladaptive, I'm doing this because I just have to be busy because I don't want to face the reality that I'm in a pandemic and I'm overwhelmed, then that's good for them. That's, a, that's great if they're able to do that. But for other people, their way of coping might look differently. So I think it's important to, to just be mindful that I never advise anybody to tell somebody how to feel, right? Encouragement is always great, giving encouragement to people, but it's never advisable to tell another individual how they should feel about a situation that's happening. So I think, again, for some people, this may be what they needed, right? Like I needed time. I didn't have time. And for them, some things may have not changed. They may still have the same financial state that they had once before. They may be healthy. Their family may feel healthy. And so they may feel like they freed up some space. And again, for them, that's great if they're doing that in a healthy way to say, I'm going to prioritize this time as a time to work on this big project that I didn't have time to do when I had to have big board meetings or had to do these things outside in the community. Now that I don't have a two-hour commute, I can use those two hours to work on something else. That's great if that's the situation that they're in, but being aware that not everybody's in that situation and that's okay too, because again, this is not a vacation. This is not time off. Even if um, a person still has their job or the different things that are important to them or that they value, that doesn't mean that they're not feeling anxious about what's to come or anxious about their health, anxious about the state of the world. So you know, again, again, it's not advisable to tell another person like, hey, you should be doing this or you should feel this way. Um, but it's also that we don't want to tell someone that they can't work on a project if they do feel comfortable doing that. Um, mm-hmm. But for those people that are saying right now, the best that I can do is getting up in the morning. Um, in my teeth. <laughs> brushing my teeth. Uh, for some people, the time that they have, again, because it's not a break, if they have children that are school age, they have now taken on two or three jobs, right? Being an educator and doing the job that they have. For other people, again, their work might be compromised. So um, they may not have, they still may not have time to do some of those projects that people may feel like, okay, you have free time to do it. Um, not everybody they have has less time, time, maybe. They may have less time. And that's something that I heard too, because again, just the nature of trying to figure out what's going on, even just keeping up with the news can feel overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, Even from my perspective with work, like keeping up with the emails or keeping up with what's happening in the world so that I can be informed uh, to share with clients, that takes more time than, I mean, before the pandemic, I didn't have to keep up with information about a pandemic. So that's another thing on our to-do list that we're having to take on to figure out, okay, so what's the precaution I need to take today to be healthy? Mm-hmm. Um, can I go to a park today? Has that been closed? Right. So keeping up with all those things, that's a new task to take, take into consideration. Mm-hmm. And with all that taken into consideration, um, surely that can create a sense of anxiety. Um, when you go to the grocery store and there's no rice, there's no toilet tissue, there's no whatever fill in the blank essential item that you're used to seeing plentifully supplied that can create a sense of panic and you know we've kind of gone into this thing of like oh you know people are um overreacting and kind of trying to figure out what is the healthy balance of a normal reaction to a pandemic versus like 
overreacting and, you know, a, a, a normal level of stress or anxiety around this and how to kind of manage those emotions. Yeah, I think, again, everyone has a different distress tolerance. And so what I mean by that is that for some people, and I'll use myself as an example, even, even as a, as a therapist, I'm not exempt from being anxious about a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, so, you know, nobody, even uh, medical professionals that, that do the, do medical work every day, they're not exempt from feeling anxious about a pandemic. In my lifetime, I've never experienced a pandemic, right? So, those are things that are new. So I think with anything that's unknown or that we can control, can't control, we'll see this level of worry or anxiousness typically. Um, so I want to normalize that for people that some level of anxiousness or worry about this um, is normal. Um, if someone told me that they weren't worried about this at all, I might be a little concerned about that too because some level is, is normal. It's human nature. But on some ends, when we get into the, the sense of um, things that are not adaptive, when we talk about anxiety, that's where I might be concerned. So just sharing a little bit about the pandemic, as I mentioned, I've never experienced one before. So even for myself, I'm having to navigate, okay, so what is, what's, what's too much and what's not enough, right? So initially, we might have felt like, okay, like we're going about our daily lives, but each day we wake up, we get new information. We have to figure out how we want to funnel that information so that it doesn't continue to, to trigger us. So with the distress tolerance for some people, um, if this is their first time experiencing any kind of natural disaster or traumatic event or pandemic or big major episode that's impacted their world and, and changed the way that their daily functioning happens, um, then they may be this might be hitting them really hard. On the other end, for someone who said, well, this isn't my first time experiencing something like this or experiencing something really hard or experiencing uh, grief or loss or disappointment, they might, their distress tolerance could be a little higher. It could also fluctuate, right? So for me, for example, um, it's really interesting because I find that when things are really chaotic and everything's going really, really bad, I feel calmer. But some of those little things that pop up, I'm like, I can't handle this. Right. This little thing is happening and now I can't handle that. So my level of distress kind of flips. When everybody else is kind of chaotic, I'm like, okay, I have to problem solve, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think looking at that and depending on what you've experienced prior to this pandemic, that's going to be very telling and that's going to impact how you react to what's happening in the world. If you didn't have any coping skills for navigating worry or anxiety, um, that's going to impact where you are now. If you already had coping skills for that, hopefully people are using those and it's able to help them kind of stay steady in this time. Um, I think some things that are, are normal, again, worry, grief, loss, you know, disappointment, some of those feelings. Um, and with the worry, I think, Uh, a healthy level of concern and checking facts and stats and what the CDC is saying to stay safe. I think that's, that's healthy, right? Getting information when we're anxious, we're typically anxious because we don't know something. So if there is information that we can go and get and we have access to, I always encourage that. Um, But I think um, a level that's, that's maybe not as healthy is when we obsess over that information And so something that I would encourage for that would be setting a time for getting news. It's changing daily. It's changing sometime each hour. So maybe saying I'm only going to look at 
certain social media sites or check in with the news one time a day, right? So that you're not bombarded with that information um, might be a way to approach triggers for the anxiousness related to, to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. For those who have children trying to kind of keep them safe in addition to yourself safe, juggling like the homeschool and the different adjustments, what tips do you have for them? Yeah, I think the first thing I would share, um, which I think sometimes, especially as a, a person that's worked with children, parents, adults, um, the whole range, but I have spent the majority of my time working with, with children and parents, um, is to, to talk to caregivers in general, whether that be parents or caregivers for any uh, minor person, um, is to, you can't, and y'all have heard this, but you can't pour from an empty cup. So starting with with the adult, you know, and with the caregiver to say, okay, what are you doing to, to try to have some normalcy for yourself? It's hard. I mean, it's easier said than done with all of this stuff happening, but what can you do? How can you compartmentalize in a way that you have something to give, you know, as the caregiver? So that could be something as small as, um, I need to get up and do some jumping jacks, right? Like we might not be able to go to a gym or for everybody, we might not be able to get outside as much, but I need to do something for myself. Or maybe that's just a matter of, you know, putting on some music while you're um, cooking or something that you can do for yourself that recharges you and brings you joy um, Mm -hmm. and finding ways to manage your worry and anxiety about this, because that can, that can feed, um, feed off to the, the minor children in the home that you're caregiving for. I think the other piece uh, for caregivers is to be mindful of validating the feelings of the children in their lives because they are experiencing this as well. They're little people, but they're people too. And so I think uh, validating the feelings and concerns that they may be having, but also being mindful of how much information you give them and making sure that that information is age appropriate. Um, so sometimes kids get too much information and then they're really worried. They have sleep disturbances because they can't decipher all of that information the way that we can. Um, Mm -hmm. so we want to make sure that we're not ignoring what's going on. That's one big thing too. So not talking about a pandemic Mm -hmm. is also not super healthy because they're getting information about it. So just or they sure know that their schedule is disrupted. Like I know right. I'm not going to school. I can't right. see my friends. Something's going on. Right. Exactly. So I think taking it head on and sharing something that's appropriate with them in a way that they can understand, which could just be, yeah, there's something out, you know, in the world that's causing people to feel sick. And so we're going to be safe by doing X, Y, Z, right. Like giving information about that in a concise, you know, appropriate way so that they know, okay, the caregiver in my life understands what's going on and they're working to keep me safe. I think safety, feeling safe is really important when it comes to dealing with anxiety at any age, but particularly with children. Speaking of the getting sick, before we open it up to questions, just addressing the mental health of a person who has tested positive for coronavirus and how they can stay mentally well to feel energized to kind of fight it and and work through that and or the mental health of the caregivers and the people who are taking people taking care of people who are sick. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is just I mean, it's hard. So I think just to validate that, like, this is something that once again, we haven't experienced before. So to validate the fact that it, it can feel scary if you do get a diagnosis of, um, of COVID. 
Um, but I think the biggest thing is to follow the recommendations that are that are put forth and to talk with a, a medical healthcare professional um, and monitor symptoms. And if you feel like you're not feeling well, using the resources that you have to get connected to someone to find out, you know, what you can do to to help your situation, to help yourself to be well. I think um, even chronicling your experience might help too. So I think another thing with the anxiety related to whether or not you do have a positive test or not would be to to make notes about how you're feeling and to get those thoughts out. Because I think sometimes the scariest part is like the thoughts that we have that we don't want to share with anybody because we're afraid that if we say them, they'll be true. Um, but I think sometimes those are the things that cause us more distress and keep us in this um, this worry loop is what I call it. It's just like this loop of I'm worried about my health and then I feel anxious and then my, br- my breathing changes. And then I feel like maybe my breathing has changed because I'm sick or right. And there's this loop of things that happen to us that, that can it cause health anxiety. And so we really want to kind of get those things out so that we can put them somewhere, file them somewhere and be able to begin coping with them. We can't cope with something if we don't identify the feeling. So we have to first kind of start with what the, what the biggest fear is about having a positive test um, and then being able to make steps to cope with that. Uh, the same thing for a person caring for someone with it. One of the big fears might be um, just, okay, this person has it. What's going to happen next? How are they going to do? How long is this going to last? When are they going to be better? Um, and so getting those thoughts out and having an outlet outside of the person that might be ill to be able to process that with um, is the big thing. And before we go to questions, I always have to plug, you know, services in general and make sure that people know that um, this is a great place for us to have conversation about what's going on. And also for me to share some tips and I can share those as well about things that people can do to, to manage their anxiety. Some grounding techniques that have helped Um, is looking at your senses, right? The five senses and kind of as you start to feel yourself getting worried about something, begin to identify, um, let's say five things you can feel, right? What's, What's four things you can smell? What's three things you can hear? What's two things you can taste? What's one thing you can see, right? And just identifying that as a grounding technique. Um, Another thing that can help with managing anxiety, managing worry, managing stress um, is, of course, breathing. And I think that's one big thing that kind of especially with Corona, one of the symptoms is is breathing concerns. So I think for everybody, it's important for us to start practicing healthy breathing in general so that we can start to feel comfortable getting enough air, getting enough oxygen, especially to manage our worry and how that manifests in our bodies. So another thing is box breathing. And so I, I share this with clients all the time. It's something super simple where as you draw a box, you count to four, you breathe in, you count to four going down, you breathe out, you count to four again, in, four again, out, and you draw a box. And something I explained is that that's something you can do super discreetly. I did it where y'all could see me doing it. But you could draw a box on your leg and be breathing, you know, under the under the dinner table or wherever you are and nobody knows what you're doing. You could do that grounding technique with no one knowing. We could be on a Zoom call for work and I could be saying, OK, what's five things I can see? You know, what's four things I can smell right now? Those are things you can do to kind of regulate your breathing uh, and manage with that. And then the other thing is if you've written down your fears and you've done affirmations, you've done those things, you've done your breathing techniques, you've done your jumping jacks, right? And you've looked at these models of wellness and things that you need to do to to feel well, like upping your social connections in a way that may not be in person, 
uh, but finding ways to stay connected that way. If spirituality and faith is something that you value and it's important to you, staying plugged in there. So looking at those aspects of eating a meal, making sure you're sleeping, finding ways to talk or see people, whether that be FaceTime or Zoom or Skype or whatever that is, when you've looked at all those areas of wellness and you still don't feel like you have what you need to cope, I'm always going to encourage people to reach out for support. Um, This is a great place to talk about things, uh, but this is not a substitute for counseling, right? That's still always something that can be utilized. So one thing I want to share before we open it up for questions would just be uh, Psychology Today is a place that you can go to find uh, someone, a lot of people are offering telehealth right now, and a lot of them accept insurance and different things or a sliding scale. There's some people that are offering it for free. So check Psychology Today if you are interested in getting connected to someone. The other piece is that and I'm going to read a phone number here as well because I want people to have this resource. But there's also a disaster and distress helpline that you can call if you feel overwhelmed. And that's 1-800-985-5990. Uh, So if for some reason, some of the tips and things that you guys have tried haven't felt as helpful and you still would like more support, those are some places you can start. And how do they get in touch with you outside of this Zoom if they say they want to book a session with you and talk to you more, especially if they have small children or they're a caregiver? Yeah. So um, I'm located in Austin, Texas. If you're in uh, Texas, you can always reach out for services. If you're not, you can still come to my website and I'm happy to give you resources. And one of my big goals is to always, you know, give information to the community. So reach out regardless of where you are and I can share information and resources with you. But they can find me on my website, Center centeredcounselingtx.com um, and then on Instagram it's centeredtx so if that's easier they can start there and there's a link to my website um, and then on my website they can shoot me a message awesome thank you so very much um, and just so that everyone knows this is the first of a series of events that we're going to be doing so the next episode is going to be talking about our physical health and well-being and we're going to be joined by uh, Dr. Akilah Jefferson Shaw and she's an immunologist and she's going to talk about some of the um, myths that have been going around about cures for coronavirus and ways to protect ourselves physically. This episode was about our mental health. We're going to be talking about relationships and how being quarantined has been challenging a lot of our nerves with, you know, romantic partners or roommates and even maintaining relationships outside of our household. And we're also going to talk about another episode about our finances and how we can protect ourselves during this time, as well as an episode about our careers. Anything that you you would like to add in terms of how we move forward with the uncertainty, like some ending notes on moving forward during this uncertain time and how to best center ourselves aside from our breathing techniques. Like for me, I'll share personally, mm-hmm. keeping some sort of routine or even for me, it included creating a routine that I didn't have before, starting off with waking up, meditate, journal, and do some yoga. I found a 20-minute yoga routine on YouTube for free, and sometimes I switch it up, but just starting off the morning knowing every morning that I wake up, when I my feet hit the floor, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z has kind of given me 
some seeming sense of like stability of this is how I'm starting my day and then like let it unfold from there. Um, And there is some comfort in that. Like this is what I'm doing every day or taking a walk and just knowing like no matter what I'm doing these things. Um, So that's been really helpful for me. If there's anything that you'd like to share that may be suggestions. Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest takeaways for us to to have hope in all of this, because that's always what, you know, can help sustain us. We know with any type of traumatic event and, you know, getting out of it is having a sense of hope that, you know, things will get better at some point. Um, I think the biggest thing is that while we cannot control uh, this pandemic specifically, there are things we can control. So I think again, shifting our mindsets to kind of look to what we can control in our lives and what we do have power over. Um, And if nothing else, we do have power over following just different techniques to keep ourselves safe, Um, looking at the different guidelines of things that we can do to not put ourselves in risky situations if we can avoid them. Um, And then also looking at those those different dimensions of wellness. I always go back to that because that's a great way for people to kind of find ways to see, okay, what areas am I lacking in and what do I need to go fill in? And I think being creative about that is super important right now. And the the other thing I want to share is that watching kind of the way we, we word things, right? So I think with social distancing, I don't love that, that phrase because we don't have to be socially distant. We can be physically distant. And so I think still if social, I think for everyone as humans, interacting with people is important, even if you're an introvert, right? Like having some sort of interaction with people at some point is important for our well-being. So just because we can't maybe sit in the same room with them, figuring out ways to connect um, and build community around this. And like I said, we're all experiencing this. So if we're able to kind of keep a certain uh, level of sensitivity with one, one another and care for one another, um, we're in this together. And I think finding people that you can, can process this, this whole experience with is good and, and kind of staying connected to people and not completely isolating. So while we have to be distant, we don't have to be isolated. So I think that's the biggest uh, takeaway would be uh, find ways to, to fill up that wellness bucket. Well, thank you so much, Rakima. As always, it is a pleasure. Thank you all for joining us this evening. It has been lovely to see your faces. And um, I hope that everybody found this to be informative and helpful. And if anybody has any questions before we go. I do. Hello, everyone. Hello. Um, so, and I think you kind of touched on this, but... Um, what are some good ways, like, is there anything that we can do to, like, support more, like, the people that are going through it? Because so, say I'm a little bit anxious, but mm-hmm. my cousin or somebody is, like, on 10 with the anxiety. Mm-hmm. What can I do, like, from afar to be, like, because, you know, normally I'd be like, oh, let me give you a hug or, you know, have mm-hmm. some company to get your mind off it. But what can I do to, like, help her? just calm tf down (laughs) yeah Yeah, i think um like you said physical proximity is kind of what we're used to right when somebody's emoting something we're like you want to go in and give them a hug and um and do those different things or you might want to bring them something and we can't do that now so finding creative ways to comfort people i think is important and i think some ways to do that would be that could be something as small as a text message or, you know, sending an email or just calling a check in and listening. I think 
sometimes when we think about helping people, we, we want, our, our go-to is to want to fix things for them and we can't in this situation. So I think kind of giving ourselves this level of um, grace to say, okay, I might not be able to fix this for the person and they're experiencing this in a different way than I am, but I can listen. And so I think in this case, in this case because again, there's so much unknown, what we can do is validate their feelings. And so if somebody's anxious, just really identifying that and saying, um, that you get it and you're here for them and that you understand. And then I think also sharing different resources with them. So as you were on this call, if you, if you heard about box breathing or a grounding technique, sharing those things with that person to help them regulate their nervous system so that they can calm down. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you all. Stay safe. Stay well. You can find me on social media at Lonnie Swain, L-O-N-I-S-W-A-I-N. I'll be posting about upcoming events and I can send you all a follow-up email after this. I would love to hear your feedback, what you enjoyed, what you'd like to hear more about, um, and all of that, how we can best support each other during this time. Thank you so much. You all stay safe, stay well, and I will hopefully talk to you all soon.